As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's day 10 of the World Cup, the morning after the goals show. 14 in total yesterday. We'll reflect on the big stories, including a goalkeeper in exile, Cristiano Ronaldo upstaged by a now old teammate and Brazil maybe missing a little bit of the spark that we saw in the first game. It is England against Wales, the USA against Iran as Group B gets settled tonight with team news and all the pre-match press conference drama to discuss. I'm Adam Leventhal and this is The Athletic Football Podcast. Abubakar surely offside there. No flag for now. Abubakar. Oh, what a scoop! What a goal! And it might bring Cameroon back into the game. That was an outrageous finish from Abubakar. Oh. We are poolside once again, and I'm joined by the Athletics Matt Slater and David Ornstein. 32 games gone, 32 to go. We are at the very middle point of the tournament. And Matt, just to sort of celebrate mm. that fact, made it to four matches yesterday on the, uh, the final day of four consecutive yep. games. That was one of the advantages of Qatar. It was, it was the, wow. one of the big sells. Um, were you able to do it in any sort of cohesive way did you actually wrap your head around it yes well cohesive that's that's uh, well look uh so you're right four kickoffs and uh none of them at pretty much the only stadium that isn't in doha our core our bites which is the one to the north um so i thought this is doable i also thought this could be the last possible opportunity to see four world cups games in a day i'm not sure we'll do that again in a place this small anyway in a city in an Olympic-style World Cup. I also wondered, and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of throw this to the hive mind, was this the last possible opportunity to see four games of professional football in a day without a helicopter and, and, sort of, and actually staying for more than a minute, yeah. more than two minutes, more like, instead of, like, you know, kind of like orienteering, you know, sitting in your seat and legging out? <laughs> I didn't do that. Although, uh, what did you say, 14 goals? Was it 14 yeah. yesterday? 
I'm going to be honest. I saw I saw eleven of them. I missed three. That's not I, a bad. I ratio. missed three. I, I I bailed at three one to Serbia in the first game. It was um that was a that was a fantastic game in the way because I, I thought it was done. I absolutely thought that game was done and dusted. Serbia were all over Cameroon and should have been five clear. I thought that's it. I'm going. I've got a long trek to my next game. Uh, I missed I missed the comeback, and I missed the Brazil goal. I watched the Vinicius VAR goal and thought this is this is this has got nil nil written all over it. I've got to go right now to the final game, and I heard the celebrations for the Casemiro goal as I sort of. Well, I mean, I hadn't gone far, you know. In England, I might have rushed back, but there was none of that. So, yeah, four games, uh, all on public transport, um, buses, metros, and my feet. I did uh, 24,000 steps yesterday, 12 and a half miles in total. Nice. Very well done. And in this heat as well. For people that don't necessarily appreciate how hot it is to be sort of traipsing around, aside from the the air conditioning metro, air conditioned metro, uh, that was quite a feat. David, um, meanwhile, and we will get stuck into it later on in the podcast, you get that extra sort of frisson of excitement when it's a an England day, don't you? You do. There's a real sense of anticipation, of excitement, of nervousness, of among many, I'm sure, foreboding. But England should be fine today, and. Famous last words. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) England days are are always packed with um, that little flutter of anticipation, excitement and energy. Indeed. Indeed. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens this evening. We'll get stuck into that in a little bit more detail later on. Um, Let's reflect on some of the action from yesterday. Obviously, Matt was at every every game. David was at uh, the Brazil game. Our tactics writer, Michael Cox, watched that six-goal thriller between Cameroon and Serbia with one eye on what had been the the biggest talking point prior to kickoff when Cameroon's goalkeeper, Andre Onana, was removed from the squad after an argument with their head coach, Rigobert Song. So, did it pay off? It's quite strange. I mean, it's not often you would hear of a goalkeeper drop for tactical reasons. There was quite an interesting incident in Cameroon's first game where Onanar pushed ahead of his defence to play a pass out the back, almost saying, I thought that was almost saying, look, you need to play the ball quicker, I'm going to take charge here. And Rigobert Song clearly didn't want any of that. And so dropped him, dropped him from the squad, brought in uh, a guy called Devis Ipassi, who I don't think many people had heard of. And I suppose the notable thing was that his distribution was very simple. He was just hoofing it downfield. And to be honest, when you look at the passing of the fullbacks, it's not very good. And you can kind of understand why Song would want to say to her, no, no, just hit it long. And clearly someone who brought, was brought up at Ajax didn't want to do that. But, I mean, they've ended up having to you know, leave out probably their best player. So whether it should have spiralled to that level um, is doubtful. And you have to say as well, Ipassi, he didn't do great in terms of the actual goalkeeper. I think the second goal in particular, he was caught quite flat-footed. Um, so yeah, it was a very strange decision. Um, but Cameroon have got history of this. 1994 World Cup, they played three, uh, three different goalkeepers in three games. So maybe it's in the Cameroon philosophy. Well, the Athletics' Dermot Corrigan brings us the latest on this story. Yeah, it's been a pretty dramatic 24 hours or so for, for Cameroon, for sure. And we're still trying to piece together exactly how it's gone down. But what we can say is that Cameroon goalkeeper Andre Onana has been temporarily suspended from their World Cup squad. But he's not leaving Qatar to fly home from the tournament, as we thought. 
it all kind of burst out this morning, just before Cameroon played Serbia into Monday's first game. Usual first choice, Onana of Inter Milan, was nowhere to be seen. Uh, it turned out that he had had some kind of argument with the national coach Rigobert Song. Backup, Devis Ipasi, who plays in the Saudi Pro League, was instead going to play. We were told that this was a tactical issue, that Song and Onana had had a row, that Song wanted Onana to, to kick the ball long, to not take risks at the back. Onana, as anybody who's seen him play for Ajax or Inter uh, will know, is that he likes taking risks on the ball. He's very comfortable in possession and thinks that that way of playing helps the team to move the ball up the pitch. So in the end, Ipasi played in the game, kicked every ball that he could very long, didn't make very many saves though. Onana was definitely flying home. Then he'd had a change of mind and he was going to stay, have a heart-to-heart with Song and the Federation President Samuel Etu, who Onana knows really well. He came through the Etu Foundation in Cameroon as a kid, so so they're quite close. So it seems as if you know the President might be able to knock heads together and get everybody back so that Onana could play against Brazil on Friday. Now it seems pretty unlikely that that is going to happen because the statement released by the Cameroon National Federation just on Monday evening uh, says that Odana is out for discipline reasons which have not been detailed. So not sure what's going to happen really. I'd love to be able to to say exactly whether Odana is going to play or not against Brazil on Friday when Cameroon need to win. Uh, it is a big mess though and it's really going to overshadow Cameroon's World Cup. Their game today against Serbia was a fantastic game. Three all draw, you know, they were in it, they were out of it. Kind of positive as if things might be coming together. But um, this type of off the field stuff has happened before for Cameroon at World Cups. And it's putting a cloud over their squad as they prepare for that huge game against Brazil on Friday. It was tough to live up to that initial game. But to be fair, and I was at the game between uh, Ghana and South Korea, they gave it a really, really good shot. It was a thrilling game. Uh, Ghana eventually winning 3-2. And then Brazil were in action without the injured Neymar. And James Horncastle was in attendance. Vinicius Junior. And it's Casemiro! So I'm just leaving the Lego Stadium, the shipping container stadium here on the waterfront in Doha, where Brazil played for the first time since uh, Neymar tore the ankle ligaments in his right ankle. Uh, Neymar was watching. Um, he was celebrating afterwards. He tweeted that Casemiro, the match winner, has been the best midfield player in the world uh, for a long, long time. And I think it was quite appropriate that Casemiro won this game because he spoke to uh, the media a couple of days ago um, at Brazil's training ground at the Al Arabi Sports Club and he said um, that Brazil feels sorry uh, for some of their opponents uh, and that it's uh, a bit of an in-joke within the Brazil camp that they've just got so many options that they have got so much talent uh, up front and you know okay uh, it took them 83 minutes to break down Switzerland, but as Chicha says, this was a Switzerland team that had the best defensive record um, in UEFA qualifying uh, for this tournament, um, one that had qualified at Italy's expense. Um, and, you know, some of those options that uh, that Casemiro was talking about uh, made the difference tonight. Uh, I mean, one was Rodrigo, uh, the Real Madrid player who came on and he set up the goal with a cleverly disguised pass for Casemiro. Um, you know, before that, um, Casemiro had played in Vinicius Junior. Vinicius Junior thought he'd scored, uh, but it was disallowed for offside. So it wasn't like Brazil spent the game uh, without any um, creativity. They showed that they have solutions 
to break down uh, deep blocks. Um, Chicha did admit afterwards that, you know, of course we miss Neymar, um, but they are less dependent on him than they were in the last World Cup cycle between 2014 uh, and 2018 because they have Rodrigo, because they have Anthony who can come on, because they have Vinicius Jr. Um, so in that sense, it was very encouraging. And as much as we're all focusing on the attack and Brazil being the Brazil that we've all kind of grown up with and expect to see good football from, we should praise the defence as well. It's another game in which they haven't conceded. It's another game where Alisson didn't really have to be there at the end because they have defended really well uh, from front to back. So it was just the one goal that separated the sides and it was a special goal from, from Casemiro who's obviously had club transition but he just looks so at home in that Brazil side and it was a wonderful goal, wasn't it? It was incredible, but I think there was a slight deflection in there, so I need to caveat my praise. But it was a great moment. The crowd erupted as if you were in Rio or Salvador or Porto Alegre or Belo Horizonte. And I think the uh, global nature of the Brazilian support base is just extraordinary. It never fails to impress you when you go to these major tournaments. Like, it's a religious event. I felt similar at Argentina against Mexico on Saturday night. Um, just extraordinary. And yeah, the strike was uh, spectacular. Uh, Akanji's bottom had a little bit to do with it. It did. It? But it was all the more sweet because of what had gone before, really what seemed good goal um, by Vinicius Junior, which would have been his first goal at a World Cup. And he really feels like one of the next biggest stars in world football, even though he's already at a huge club in Real Madrid. Um, and <laughs> I sort of put a pin in the balloon of an atmosphere. Um, but yeah, the, the celebrations were wild. And, you know, I spent about an hour in the mix zone afterwards as all the Brazil players came through. And <laughs> you can't fail to feel their confidence. Matt, was, was that the pick of the day in terms of the, the atmospheres for you? No, no. I mean, I, I'd agree with everything that David said, that um, they're massively well supported here. I mean, they obviously got their own travelling army and there's expat Brazilians all over the Gulf region. But, you know, the neutral loves them, you know, throws the gold shirt on and screams, screams at the names they've heard of. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But it wasn't the best atmosphere of the day, no, because Ghana career was great. You had you know, this sort of, I was in the middle bit with all the kind of uh, main eventers. But at either end, you had rabid fans. Yeah. Ra all singing, choreographed, wonderful stuff. Ghana fans, loads of them. Unfortunately, way too many of them outside. They, a lot of guys come to Ghana games and just can't get in. They just want to be part of it. Korean fans are great. That was good. Serbian fans <laughs> make a racket. They love Freed from Desire, by the way. Absolutely love that song. Um, and then the best atmosphere, This is and, and this is a kind of weight of numbers thing. And again, also very much in keeping with this tournament. This tournament is about superstars. So Uruguay, um, Portugal, capacity crowd at Lusail, and there weren't any empty seats. There were empty seats at the Brazil game. I'm sorry to keep saying this. There were. 10% of the seats were not filled, which is insane. It makes no sense to me, given the popularity of Brazil. So anyway, I'm going to move on from that because I know we've talked about that already. But there were no empty seats 
at Portugal-Uruguay. It was a good tight game. Every time Ronaldo did anything, including like wave and flap his hands around, like give me the ball. Pretend I, to score. I had a hundred punt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was wonderful. Just encapsulated the man and, and the moment. Um, Ronaldo, 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 give him the ball. I'm like, yeah, you've just told Uruguay. Yeah, they, know, they know where he is now. And, but that, that was the atmosphere of the day. You know, the, the fourth game of the day in this. Lasalle is a magnificent stadium inside. It really is. It's just, it's, it's huge. So that, that was the best atmosphere. Well, Matt, it's funny you should mention the, the stadium numbers because Laura Williamson has actually done a video, which you can see uh, on our various platforms, explaining exactly what is going on with those attendance figures. And it's well worth a watch just to explain the detail. Um, Laura was also at the game last night between Portugal and Uruguay alongside Felipe Cardenas. Okay, first things first, Ronaldo or Bruno's goal? Was it the, the, the hair of God that we just witnessed? <laughs> Chipped in for Ronaldo! Wouldn't you just know it? I'll be honest, I, I thought it was Ronaldo immediately. Uh, but it only took a few replays to, to realize that he had not touched the ball. Like, maybe he felt it, the, a breeze on the top of his head, but it was pretty clear that it was Bruno Fernandes. I agree. And then Ronaldo comes off. There's a penalty, which Bruno converts, and he had a few chances for a hat-trick. He did. I mean, he's, I was thinking during the game that I think we know who Portugal's star player is. You can argue that it's Cristiano Ronaldo, but Bruno Fernandes was the main man tonight. Uh, should have had a hat-trick, had two chances to, to finish that hat-trick, and you could tell he really wanted it too, and he's just a spectacular player. It took him a little bit to get into the game, but once he did, he really ran that midfield. It was, it was impressive. And could you explain how it, how it panned out in the stadium today? Because um, obviously we, we saw it live, we watched the replay, and then what happened after that? Well, he comes off. Um, it was interesting because the crowd here is very pro-Ronaldo. Like, and I was asked on Twitter, there's a lot of residents and people from the region that just love him. So I feel like that was the moment everyone wanted. They wanted to see Ronaldo score. And you could, the stadium erupted. I mean, it was very, very loud. I don't know if they've accepted that it wasn't his goal, uh, but there was a moment there where even Ronaldo just like ate it up. Like he was loving the limelight. Uh, maybe he still thinks it's his goal. We'll see. We'll find out soon, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna ask everyone uh, if it was uh, Bruno's or Ronaldo's goal. And um, and what about the incident um, in the first half when somebody ran onto the pitch with a rainbow flag? What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, someone said uh, told me via DM like if if you're going to. They don't recommend being a pitch evader, but there's a right way to do it. I think that was a clear message that this World Cup is still mired in controversy. And uh, it was a brave act. It was a brave act. It, it interrupted the game, but I think everyone sort of had the same feeling about it when we realized that the person was carrying a rainbow flag. This issue won't go away when the tournament is over. I think we'll be talking about it for years and years to come, honestly. Okay, let's just take a quick breather and then we will cast our minds forward to England against Wales and, perhaps unsurprisingly, USA-Iran isn't simply just a group stage decider. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right, let's get stuck in to England. It is a, a big day. England up against Wales. David, obviously ahead of every game, we've been tracking the, the team news. Where do we stand on that at the moment? There have been some reports overnight that Kyle Walker is going to be starting, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, at the moment of recording, we haven't published on the team yet we're uh, having conversations and and making sure of information and we'll see where we are in the hours before kickoff but um, yeah reports suggest that Carl Walker is going to start uh, I think on the last athletic podcast 24 hours ago Ollie Kay um, and who was he with Jack Pitbrook mentioned that uh, it wouldn't surprise them if Carl Walker started. I think England's plan coming into this tournament with his recovery from groin surgery was that he would maybe get some minutes in the second group game if everything had gone to plan and then potentially start the Wales game. Um, he didn't get the minutes in the USA game. However, BD-eyed observers will have seen him warming up for most of the match and taking a full part in training pretty much ever since England got here to Doha. I guess the big question would be whether it's as part of a back three or a back four. Initial suggestions that I was getting yesterday is that they're going to stick to a back four, but the notion had always been before that Kyle Walker would be part of a back five, so we'll have to wait and see on that. I do think there'll be other changes as well. There have been reports that Jordan Henderson is going to be starting in central midfield. I have heard similar suggestions from conversations with contacts. Um, some suggestions it will be in place of Bellingham. I haven't heard that bit. I think Bellingham may still be in the team, famous last words. And then there's going to be a big question and a lot of chatter uh, around the England environment about whether he's going to start Phil Foden and maybe even Marcus Rashford as well. And so I do think this will be a change lineup for the Wales game. Uh, not a complete overhaul of the team in the way that you would find if you had secured your qualification, maybe even secured top, st top spot. The way that Gareth Southgate... Uh, rang wholesale changes for England's final group game at the last World Cup but I do think we can see expect to see a different looking England starting team against Wales 
Gareth Southgate was asked about Phil Foden and almost his answer told a, a little bit more of a broader story saying that we shouldn't heap too much pressure on him we shouldn't expect too much from Phil Foden does that almost lead us to think that yeah he's going to bring him in but it might not necessarily be he's in he's going to stay for the rest of the tournament yes that's highly possible that if he starts ahead of Bakayo Saka for example that England reached the knockout stage and Saka comes back in he started the tournament played England's second game he's done fantastically well for the team that's currently leading the Premier League uh, we all know his qualities his composure on this stage uh, belie his tender age and so tinkering with those two positions or whether it's in, in exchange for Mason Mount doesn't mean that Mount won't come back in if it's Raheem Sterling Raheem Sterling's a regular starter for England one of the most experienced players and one of the most respected within the group um, so it is a little bit uh, curious because he is a regular starter for the team that's widely regarded as being the best in the Premier League in Manchester City and Gareth Southgate said well he doesn't play in the central role for City and that's the one that we were looking to make a change in against the USA but I think personally if you're good enough to get in the Manchester City team at all then you're probably better than most attackers that England have who don't play for Manchester City um, and so I think many people are looking at this and I, we're all hearing it from back home and out here where's Phil Foden where's Phil Foden Gareth Southgate hasn't got an aversion to him. He played, I think he started England's most recent two matches against Germany and Italy before the World Cup. But clearly there is something that maybe hasn't quite clicked at international level for Phil Foden yet. And the way that Gareth Southgate plays, um, there's this accusation, and I'm hearing it from a lot of people, not just fans and members of the public, people within football whose opinions I really respect, that Gareth Southgate... Um, plays a little bit too conservatively, a little bit too back foot. But we weren't saying that after the first game against Iran. It felt like a step back against what we must say is a very good USA side. Um, I think Wales will be a, a more accurate barometer, um, but it's a home nation, so that can create a rarefied environment. England have a great record against the home nations. The true test will really come in the, in the last 16 if England get there. Matt? take the temperature for us not literally because that would be off the scale but of the of the fans here in Qatar in Doha in particular the, the Wales fans the England fans paint the picture of of, of what it's like ahead of a, a big derby match yeah I mean I've, I've run into lots of um, British fans it's always nice at World Cups to see the England flags the Welsh flags as well at other games, you know, guys, you know, catching other games, and of course, that was one of the whole USBs of this tournament in particular. That you could go see a lot of games. There's no flights. There's no long train uh, trips, and 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 it's played out that way. Guys that have come have tried to catch other games. If they could get tickets, that's 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 been that's been tough. Um, I mean, as as David has just outlined, the England guys, it's this sense that. Southgate is a bit negative, he's a bit safety first and we just need to sort of take the handbrake off and all will be well, throw Foden on, throw them all on. I mean Foden's the name that keeps coming up. Um, my worry there is that, I mean he's fantastic, but I don't really understand why a guy who's playing so well and so good for Man City can't get in our team, but okay. In every tournament England fans kind of need a guy who's not on the pitch who's going to be the guy. It's the clamour man. Well, exactly. It's, it's all part of our kind of like the way we approach these things. And then when you put them on, it's like, oh, okay, well, where do we go to next? Is it, does it then, does it then <laughs> go to Madison? I'm, I don't know. But um, 
Welsh fans, um, yeah, look, they're nervous, you know. But then equally, they've had a, they've, you know they've had a good time. There was so much sort of goodwill and excitement about making this tournament. They've they've not quite clicked, delivered. They've not they've not quite had that kind of rousing Euro nineteen Euro, Euro twenty sixteen moment, have they? Um, you know, the USA game was was good with the with the fight back, but um, the next game wasn't so good. I don't know. I mean, but <laughs> if you'd have told them. Go, go play England and you're still in it. No, I don't think they'd have taken that. OK, let's end on the USA against Iran. Also at 7 o'clock, that's UK time. And our US men's national team soccer writer Sam Stayskal sent us this after a particularly heated press conference. The US men's national team's pre-match press conference ahead of their Tuesday must-win contest against Iran was one of the most eventful media availabilities I've ever been a part of. It was full of Iranian journalists, and it was full of non-soccer-related questions. Uh, Politics were touched on. Diplomacy was touched on. The question of why Greg Berhalter has not asked the government to remove the U.S. naval warships from the Persian Gulf was asked. Uh, It was kind of all over the place. But one of the most remarkable and, and kind of poignant moments for me anyway was a question posed to Tyler Adams, the U.S. captain. He gave his first answer, and and he expressed solidarity with the people of Iran, except instead of saying Iran, he said Iran, which is a rather common mispronunciation in the States. And this bothered an Iranian journalist who launched into a next question by correcting him and saying that he expressed support with the people, but you can't even pronounce our country's name correctly. Um, And then he launched into a question about how Adams could feel comfortable playing for the U.S. national team and representing the United States of America when Adams, who is a biracial man, black biological father, a white mother, when the United States has such a history of of discrimination and racism against black people. And Adams, who was only 23, I thought gave a really measured, um, kind of fantastic response. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. You know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, you know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures, is that in the U.S. we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. I, I grew up in a, in a white family with an obviously an African-American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures and I, I was very, very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So, um, you know, not everyone has that, that ease and uh, the ability to do that and obviously it takes longest to understand and through education I think it's it's super important like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of, of your country so um, yeah it, it's, a, it's a process I think as, as long as you see progress uh, that's the most important thing. He didn't get defensive he didn't deflect he said yeah you know in the U.S. we have some issues and he thinks we're making progress in the U.S. Uh, whether or not you believe that part of it or not um, and there's probably some debate on that topic uh, but whether or not you believe it Um, It was a pretty remarkable, I thought, response for a 23-year-old who only got the captaincy less than a week ago. Um, So that was was a big moment for Tyler Adams, a big moment for the U.S. national team, and a a really interesting way for that press conference to go. Matt, we didn't necessarily know whether there was going to be anything riding on this game on the pitch between USA and Iran, but there certainly is. And there is so much more going on off the field as well from from both sides and it was very interesting to see how this news conference descended into you know and and each to their own but almost like a point scoring match 
from the uh, Iranian side to the USA. The USA had to deal with yeah. various things. Carlos Kiros has been hitting back at his own uh, criticism from the likes of Jürgen Klinsmann and things like that. So it is a real sparring match at the moment, isn't it? It is. Look, was it always going to be like this, though? You know, yeah. the geopolitics of it. I know. Yeah. I know that you know you can. The players don't necessarily get wrapped up in that. They don't think in those terms. But certainly, the 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 media, the Iranian media that's here, which let's be honest, are probably going to be more aligned with the government. I've certainly felt that. Um, they took it upon themselves, really, to kind of to defend the regime. Um, and also the Qataris. So, the, so Qatar and Iran have a quite an interesting relationship. Qatar's always seen itself as the bridge and everybody's friend because they're small. Um, and in the past, they've got in a little bit of trouble with their fellow Gulf states for being too friendly to Iran. Um, and there's certainly a lot of stuff that I'm seeing on social media, a lot of reporting that I'm, that I'm hearing as well, that the Qatari authorities are clamping down on anti-regime protests as almost like they're doing Iran's bidding. Um, there might be something to that. I think there's also just a, a massive oversensitivity around any kind of protest. You know, the Qataris have just decided we're not doing any politics. We're not having it. We're not having rainbows. We're not having, you know, women, life, freedom. We're not. We're just not. We're not going there. Okay. They're turning a blind eye to Palestine scarves. Um, which is, you know, interesting, and I think kind of in keeping with this sort of sense that they've been heavily criticised by the West. Um, yeah, the, the, there's so much tension around the Iran team. It, it, <laughs> but this, we it, saw that that drove, yeah. that drove a, a different Iran against Wales yeah. than it did against England. So, yes, look, this is we're talking about the off the field, but it, they have they have something going for them. At the moment, in a in a bizarrely warped way, where some of the Iranian team are clearly not happy representing no. their country, but still within them they have that competitive spirit. Hundred percent, you know, personal pride. This is the World Cup. You know, Iran's a good team. Iran has an amazing sort of football past, football history. I can't work out if that England game. We are massively underestimating how well we played or how off colour Iran were. Was the was the you know the, the the moments, everything going into that game, their own very brave protest of not seeing the national anthem, again something that perhaps is underestimated outside of Iran. Whether all of that created this sort of very special game where they just were bad, we were good. I'm not sure. There's a bit of everything in that one. But they were good against Wales. They were much more like as advertised. And I think tonight's game is going to be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because USA have been good. I don't think they've been great. They've been good. I don't think they've got a cutting edge. But I think they're, they're really tight at the back. You know, no, no nonsense stuff. I think Reem's a good player. I like their fullbacks. Loads of energy there. Lots of busyness in midfield. Pulisic is doing bits. I worry about who's putting the ball in the net, actually how many chances they're creating. Iran, they're good going, you know, they, 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 they create chances, they look good going forward against Wales, never got going against us, but they still managed to score a goal, a couple of goals, uh, you know, and one was a penalty of course, but one was a decent goal. So 
this is going to be a good game between two, you know, implacable foes, famous football rivalry as well. Loads going on this game. It couldn't, they couldn't be more on the game for these two countries. So, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be a good. One. I I do worry about the off-pitch stuff, and and I, I I worry about I worry about Iran to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, massive game. Well, we will continue to cover the the on-pitch and the off-the-field issues just to point you in the direction of a couple of articles on the athletic currently charlotte harper has spoken to fans who were detained for wearing women life freedom t-shirts iranian fans you can read their stories Um, in addition to that adam crafton and laura williamson uh, put out a story where iranian female fans fear that they're being spied on whilst attending games and there are various different Um, examples of the women life freedom protests being stamped down by uh, Qatari officials there was two men uh, who were trying to start their own protest they were accosted by uh, Qatari police eventually it seemed to seem to die down but these instances continue to pop up and we'll continue to follow that story uh, on The Athletic uh, if you want to be part of it and read Uh, all about it head to theathletic.com forward slash football pod for our latest offer David thank you very much we'll have much more from you on our next episode a pleasure and Matt thank you to you you're welcome that is it for today we will be back after the full time whistle tonight The Athletic Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.